Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Text for our meditation this evening. The gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago, Mark 15, verses 1 through 20, especially verse 15. So, Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Crazy times, huh? Six weeks ago, you could have not imagined everything that is going on. Everything was going just fine. In fact, everything was going better than fine. Everything was going great. And now, now you find yourself in a situation, a bad Situation, a situation that you didn't create. You didn't ask for it, it just happened. Not only is it a bad situation in many respects, it's a no win situation. So, you've got choices to make. What do you do? How do you act? What do you say? How do you respond? Some people might say, well, it's simply a matter of right or wrong. Choose to do the right thing. Don't do the wrong thing, the bad thing, the evil thing. But we know better, don't we? It's much more complicated than simply a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of self-preservation. What will other people think about what I do or what I say or how I act? There are so many concerns to take into consideration. There are financial concerns. There are political concerns. There are certainly legal concerns. And there are safety concerns. But let's be honest. Deep down, we know what is driving it all. Fear. You're afraid. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid to let somebody down. You're afraid to give in to the other side. You're afraid to suffer. Bottom line, you're afraid to die. No, I'm not talking about coronavirus or COVID-19 or whatever politically correct or incorrect name you want to call it. I'm not talking about six-foot social distancing or the rule of ten. I'm not talking about violating a stay-at-home order if one is issued in your state or community. I'm not talking about making a choice about whether you're going to go to work or stay home, whether you're going to go to the grocery store or stay home, whether you're going to go to the post office or stay home, whether you're going to go to church or even have church or stay home. I'm not talking about any of those things. Although every one of those things fit 
the situation and the scenario that I just described. It is this situation and scenario that Pilate finds himself in as we enter into Mark chapter 15. What happened? Six weeks ago, everything was going great. Now the people are threatening to riot. I've got this Jesus in front of me, and what am I going to do? Some people might say, well, it's just a matter of right and wrong. Do the right, don't do the wrong. But Pilate knows better. Or at least he thinks he does. We don't know a lot about Pilate. We don't know if he was tall or short or skinny or fat. But God's word clearly teaches us he was a small man. He was a bully. He was concerned about self-preservation. He was a bully, and yet at the same time, he's a coward. He was a bully, and yet at the same time, he is a self-justifying people pleaser. He wanted power. That's how he achieved his position. And he wasn't afraid to crush whoever got in his way. You see, for Pilate, it was never simply a matter of right or wrong. You can't really get ahead in this world that way, right? No, for Pilate, there was always a different bottom line. Not right or wrong, but what's in it for me. Contrast the actions, the words of Pilate with those of Jesus in our text. They bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, you have said so. The chief priests accused Jesus of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? Pilate was a self-justifier. Pilate would have been on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, any social media he could have found to make excuses and justify his actions. And Jesus stood silent before his accuser. Why? Because the charges were bogus. The charges were made up. Jesus, like a lamb before its shearers is silent, stood silent before the earthly power that had the decision or the choice to make. Should Jesus live or should Jesus die? Jesus made no answer so that Pilate was amazed. Pilate was no dummy. 
Pilate had been before other criminals, both civil and political. He knew a guilty man when he saw one, and he knew an innocent man when he saw one. Pilate worked to get Jesus off the hook, to set him free. But he was more concerned about his own skin, about his own reputation, than he was about simply doing the right thing. So Pilate, clever man that he is, comes up with a plan. Now at the feast, Mark 15, verse 6 and following, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. That's my plan. I have this nice guy, Jesus, and I have this wicked murderer, insurrectionist, Barabbas. I can get myself off the hook. I will simply ask the crowd, which one of these two do you want released? Jesus, the king of the Jews, or the scoundrel murderer Barabbas. Should have worked out, right? Well, it didn't quite work out that way. For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Pilate was smart enough to perceive why Jesus was brought there, but he was not smart enough to realize what the chief priests would do next. The chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Pilate is in shock. Pilate again said to them, Well, what shall I do then with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Crucify him. Pilate, Pilate wanted nothing to do with this shameful action. Pilate tries to reason with these new scoundrels. Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? Pilate knew he was innocent. And yet they stirred up the crowd even more. They shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. We see clearly the situation, the bad situation, the no-win situation that Pilate was in. He knew that a riot could very well ensue and that would get him in trouble with the officials in Rome. Self-preservation was at hand. Pilate, Pilate didn't like the position he had in this backwater country, but it was better than nothing, and he had his sights set on moving onward and upward in the empire. Pilate 
could have done the right thing. Let the innocent man go free. But in Mark 15, verse 15, So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd. Pretty easy to poke fun at Pilate, isn't it? Pretty easy to look at the actions that we have here in Mark 15. Might even be easy to sympathize or empathize with the conundrum that Pilate found himself in. How many times don't we know right from wrong? And yet there are so many other factors that we consider. We're worried about our self-preservation. We're worried about what people will think. We're worried about finances. We're worried about politics. We're worried about anything and everything except what God's Word clearly teaches us. Do the good and avoid the evil. We want to take things that are oftentimes so clear, so simple, so black and white, and twist them, create our own situation so that we can come out looking good. You know you do it. We all do it. My friends, tonight we have before us a prime example of situation ethics. Situation ethics teaches that there is no objective truth, there is no objective right or wrong, but it's the situation that you find yourself in that determines your action. And what's right or wrong for me may not be right or wrong for you. It's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. God's word is clear. He sums up his holy and perfect law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. God's word is harsh. God's word condemns. How easy it is for us to put our fingers in our ears or create a myriad of excuses to work away so that God's word doesn't apply to me, to my situation, to the difficult decisions that I have to make. My friends, God's word for tonight calls us to repent. In our text for this evening, we have a marvelous exchange that takes place. Jesus is spotless, is innocent. Barabbas is guilty as sin. 
He's a scoundrel. Barabbas goes free. Jesus is beaten and condemned to die. My friends, there is no greater picture in Scripture than Barabbas and Jesus, than the great exchange that takes place between Jesus and a different scoundrel, a different person who is guilty as sin. You me and every human being that ever has or ever will draw breath. This is the precious good news of the gospel. We are guilty. We are guilty of setting ourselves up as judge and jury. We are guilty of bullying other people around to get our way. We are guilty of twisting the facts of a situation to make ourselves look good. We are guilty as sin. We are the ones who deserve to be scourged, cast into the darkness of hell. But thanks be to God. God so loved the world. God so loved you that he sent Jesus into this world. Jesus dies and you live. Good Friday, once and for all, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is delivered to you in the waters of holy baptism. This is preached into your ears every time you hear the word of God and especially when you hear those sweet soothing, freeing words of the absolution. My son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven on account of Jesus Christ. We hunger and thirst for it and the very body and blood of Jesus is placed on our lips. We eat and drink the forgiveness of sins, strength, nourishment, and encouragement as we go and live our lives in this sin-filled world. My friends, this is a time in our world when many people are afraid, just like Pilate. They're mostly concerned about self-preservation, just like Pilate. They want to believe that there's no simple right or wrong anymore. That was thrown out the window with the pandemic. Now I've got all these other things that I need to factor in. Don't fall for that lie. Repent before the very altar of God. For all of the times when we have tried to cloud God's word, for all of the times when we've tried to hide behind God's word. For all of the times when we have turned our lives, our work, our successes, our recreations into idols that we fear, love, and trust in. Repent of not loving your neighbor nearly as much as you love yourselves. And know 
be absolutely sure and certain that your sin died once and for all on Calvary's cross with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. His life was given in exchange for yours and mine. Your sins are forgiven. And now you have been set free by the life-giving and life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. So that you can hear the word of God and believe it. So that you can hear the word of God and trust it. So that you can hear the word of God and live it. My friends, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Free in the holy, precious blood of Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, and our situations. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.